Welcome to the Addiction Solution Podcast. I'm Michelle Dunbar. Enjoy listening and watching as addiction experts Mark Sheeran and I cover controversial as well as helpful topics on addiction, how to move past it, and other related subjects. As two of the co-founders of the Freedom Model, Mark and I will give you a completely new perspective on the topics that matter to you. We will take to task the Recovery Society's lies and misinformation and replace them with facts, research, and the methods to move on from addiction struggles without 12-step meetings, rehabs, and the shackles of endless recovery. Let's escape the treatment and recovery trap together and learn to be free. Welcome to the truth. Hi, everyone. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Addiction Solution. I'm Michelle Dunbar. And I'm Mark Sheeran, and we are the co-authors of The Freedom Model, along with Stephen Slate. Today, we are going to, well, we're probably going to upset some people by telling the truth, which is what we seem to be really good at. Um, and that is that no one needs AA. Right. No one needs support group meetings. No one needs treatment. Some people may need detox. Yeah, that's, to, that's not the treatment we're talking about. That's though. not what we're talking about right. to detox safely, you know, to go through their withdrawal symptoms safely. But post detox, you don't need something outside of you to maintain a change in your life to make a lasting change. Now, if you want to stay in purgatory, <laughs> the uh, recovery, which is kind of the halfway between, I mean, you're still tied to your heavy substance use problem. Um, and then you're kind of, but you're doing something different for a little while, but you're still focusing a lot of your energy on something you used to do. Mm -hmm. um, if you want that, certainly you can go do that. A lot of people do. Um, but the vast majority of people change and they just decide that they're done with that heavy substance use. Yeah. Yeah. They look inside themselves and they do a value analysis. Uh, and they say, you know what, I, I'm ready to move forward. And I think that, that in, when it comes to addiction, the topic of addiction, we tend to forget that human beings are very good problem solvers. Yes. As, as a species, we're very good at it. And we, we naturally habituate everything we do that we that we care about even love gets habituated like being in love gets habituated and then downgraded right as you get to know the person the the flush of love even becomes less intense um as it is when you're first together for example you have to reinvent your relationship occasionally so so the idea that you're going to be stuck with uh, a desire for heavy use for the rest of your life is a learned thing um, it's not natural and and it's very rare that humans stick with one thing, one activity for a lifetime. Um, and we see that in the stats, right? I mean, yeah, the, stats, absolutely. the stats are that as we get older, we matriculate out of heavy use, whether it's drugs. Um, actually, drugs have a higher rate of moving past the problem, usually around 95 to 99% of the people move past the problem, whether they're treated or not. And with alcohol, it's 91%. So, so people move past these things with boring regularity. And this is a story that's never told. We tell it on this channel all the time, you know, in our podcasts and in all the various ways on social media. So, um, so 
but when we say AA isn't needed, isn't necessary, uh, you don't have to, nobody, nobody needs to go to AA, that tends to get people's ire. They start getting pissed off, especially people that are involved in it because they've been taught that it's necessary. Yeah. Well, everybody's taught that it's necessary. I mean, it's it's so ingrained in our culture and it has been now for nearly a century. I mean, we're we're seven generations deep on this where people think that they need something outside themselves to stop. Even, even people. I have a guest here right now who has been to treatment in the last 10 years. She's been to a dozen treatment programs at least. And she's gone in and out of different substance use, right? She's never really, never really liked alcohol. And so that's never been a problem for her. But the one of the first treatment programs she went to, they said, you're an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, I, I don't like alcohol. And they're like, doesn't matter. You're an addict. And what's amazing to me is that you go to, you know, you go to enough meetings, you go to enough treatment, you start believing it, even though it flies in the face of your actual experience. Yeah. You know, like she basically said, she goes, I, you know, I've, I've done different drugs heavily, did opiates heavily for a while. stopped that. I did, you know, amphetamines heavily for a while. I stopped that, you know, and, and just. And the fact that she stopped is ignored. Completely. Like it's irrelevant. Right. Like, like now I want to put this into real disease uh, realm. If you had cancer and then you stopped having it, you're cured. I I mean, you You don't have it anymore. Right. So what a wonderful type of cancer it would be that you could turn on and off the same as she does with her drinking and drugging. Um, yeah. What a, what a weird idea that we call it a disease or, or, well, you know what happens too is the skeptical people, because I, I, I look at her and she's, she's a skeptical person. Okay. The skeptical people get, you know, they bring out reinforcements for us skeptical people and they start talking about brain chemistry and dopamine and I'm serotonin. Gonna I'm going to move this so that, because you can hear that. I can okay. hear what? The listener can hear that yarn on that. Oh, 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 sorry. Sorry, that's okay. That's okay. Go ahead. So they start bringing out these. This, we, these we don't have a producer. We don't. It's <laughs> us. We do all of this. And then our friend Ryan um, oh, and right. Matt that's right. put, right. put it together. So Matt, we, do, we do have producers, we I guess. We do. Yeah. Um, but no editing. These yeah, are no. first takes, as you know. Yeah. <laughs> so um, they bring out these, these brain, this brain chemistry. And, and for intellectual people, it makes it more believable. Yeah. Right. When you start talking about dopamine and serotonin and, and look at the freedom model talks about all this stuff as well. And, and, but nothing, nothing accounts for the fact that people always choose. Yeah. Yes, I know. I know. And the whole premise of Alcoholics Anonymous and its offshoot, which is all the treatment that exists in Western culture now, this $45 billion juggernaut, you know, that, that exists. The whole idea is that you're powerless. Yeah. And you need them. Yes. And you, forever. Yeah. And your, your credit card isn't going to get swiped for treatment unless you believe that. Yeah. So um, they need you to believe and, and they need you to, and it's, it is weird. They need you to forget that you've stopped at times. Yes. And they just discount that. Yeah. So, throw it right away. And they, they say, yeah, but once you start, you can't stop. But, but if I that, did. 
yeah, if that were true, every single human being that started wouldn't would still be getting high right now. There's this theory. Here's an example in wildlife. It's kind of a funny thing that that I'm a hunter. So they say deer will always walk into the wind, uh, you know, to protect themselves because they, they use their sense of smell. And so it's a blanket statement. And, you know, the deer will always walk into the wind looking for trouble. And the predominant wind is west in the United States and deer all over the United States. So that would mean that every deer in its lifetime would end up in California. <laughs> but they don't. They don't. Oh, my gosh. Hold on. <laughs> my my so, phone is listening to us and it's going off now. <laughs> so um, so that would mean that that every deer would end up on the West Coast, but they don't. So we there's these blanket statements in treatment all the time that are made that just aren't true. They're not reality, you know, and we need to stop acting like, um, you know, everybody is powerless. You're always powerless. You're always once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic, once a drug addict, always, once you start, you can't stop. You know, these are blanket statements like a deer always goes West and goes into the wind. It's just not true. It's not true. So we ignore the fact, we ignore the fact that people stop all the time. And when you go to rehab and they tell you, well, look at your history. And I can remember doing this to yep. your point. Well, I'm looking at my history and my history says I stopped like hundreds of times. Right. But then, but then the savvy treatment provider or 12 step member will say, but you didn't stay stopped. Right. Right. You, you always went stopped. back. And then they throw in, look at, there's always little half truths, right? There's things that make it believable and they'll throw in, um, well, the, when, when we say it's a choice, they'll say a lot of people will say, well, the first drinker hit is a choice. And it's like, oh, okay. If the first one is a choice, then why isn't the second, third, fourth, <laughs> fifth, 12th? Right. Right. And I mean, stopping is a choice and stopping is it's all a choice all the time. Right. So, so, and, and if the first one is a choice, then why do I have to go to meetings? Right. <laughs> right. Why, why do I have to have some other person in which I need to be accountable to like a sponsor or a home group or a counselor in therapy? Um, why do, why do I have to uh, bear my soul to these people? Why do I have to be babysat? You know, or if I'm going to make decisions, why do I have to pass it through them to make the decision? You don't. None no. of this is necessary. None of it. Now it becomes necessary because your belief system is that you're powerless. Right. That's, and that you need something outside of you. Yeah. Yeah. That the power doesn't exist within you to make choices. So what that's really saying is that you don't have free will. So, boy, you start talking about free will and people get really weird because yeah. they'll say, I know, you, you know, there's soft determinism. There's all these things that say we don't have free will. I, I think life is self-evident. I mean, aren't you thinking for yourself right now? If you're an, a, an ardent AA member, you're pissed off right now and you're going, this is bullshit. I mean, that's that's the power of choice. Right. So you're a thinking creature. You're a habit making creature. You're you have free will. You have a desire to be happy. And these are just self-evident facts, and I don't know why we ignore them. Well, that that is the problem. I mean, there are going to be people that are going to come out of the woodwork and say, well, but the support, 
that you get, you know, it is, there's, there's research that shows that, you know, people do better when they have a support network around them to do whatever kind of lifestyle change they're doing. Well, for, for some research shows that it's beneficial and some research shows that it isn't. Well, yeah. And that, yeah, that's a great point. And, and the research that shows that support is necessary is research that is intertwined with the treatment industry. It is. So it's self-serving research. Um, when you look at the people in general, in the general population and in masses, right? Um, almost nobody gets support. They, <laughs> they, they just move on. Nearly everyone. So that's the thing. I'm going to tell you where we get this research. Okay. There's formal support. Sorry. Form. Okay. Um, for, for the, we have a couple, we have a person on tick that's like, how hard is it to just give us links for your research where you're getting this? The freedom model for addictions has more than a hundred, um, citations of research that we've gotten, but some of the largest studies that have been done on addiction are, you can get right on the SAMHSA website, which is the substance SAMHSA, Substance Abuse Mental Health Services Administration, something like that. Mm -hmm. So, um, you and NISARC has a longitudinal study on, I mean, they started it, it was called the NLAES in the 90s, and then it changed to NISARC. So the NLAES was done 91, 92, NISARC was done 2001, 2002, and then 2010 to 2012. Um, if they had did it in... 2021. I don't, we haven't seen it. It hasn't been released yet. I'll have to look for it, but my guess is because of COVID it didn't get done. Right. Um, so, so that's what we're talking about. These are huge, huge studies, surveys from the general population. And what they show is that people by and large get over the problem on their own and nearly everyone gets over it. And those that go, but here's, here's where the treatment, uh, people's go, yeah. they say, well, but I know Tom, he went to rehab and he got well. And so we prove in chapters one through three that those people would have gotten well regardless. Yes. In other words, they got well or they stopped or they abstained or they moderated successfully prior to going to treatment, meaning within the first day or so of treatment, they had already uh, lowered their, their use or prior to it. So this idea of powerlessness just isn't true it's because, because ultimately the only one that can stop yourself is you. You're the only one in there. There is no force in treatment, right? They act as if there's some sort of magical potion in a church basement. And there's some magical words that people are saying. And here's what's, here's, what's interesting. The freedom model doesn't get anybody sober. No, not, not a single person. What it does, it provides information. And then people say, well, AA provides information. I say, okay, let's compare the two. Let's compare the information in the freedom model, which tells you that you're totally capable internally of making your own decisions and changing your habit. AA's information is that you can't. Right. So which do you want? I mean, just look at it. I don't see any reason to believe the myth that you can't make decisions for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And so what we see is what's what's really interesting is the people that go to AA 
have what we see in the research have lower rates of long-term success than people that do nothing. Yeah. Right. People that go to AA and they start to believe in the mythology that they're powerless and that one drink equals one drunk or, you know, if you an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Yeah. Or once a drug addict, always a drug addict. When people that believe that have nine times higher rates of binge usage than people that are shown a choice-based model, like the freedom model. Nine times. This isn't some sort of close race. No, no. And five times higher than people who do nothing. So you're actually better off doing nothing. The problem is, is nobody, we don't, none of us live in, in total isolation. So we get this information, we're bombarded with this misinformation on a daily basis, pretty much throughout your day, if you're on social media, if you're watching television, if you're listening to the radio, if you're reading a newspaper or books or watching movies, you're bombarded with this information that there is this, what Mark calls a nebulous force called addiction that can kind of take you over. And and the other thing is your family is getting the same recovery society influence, right? And yes. the people close to you. So there's a real comfort for them if you do some ritual that shows you're sincere about changing your substance use habit, getting rid of your addiction. So when they say, are you going to your meetings? You know, they're not saying to be saying it to be condescending. They're, they're really worried that if you're not doing that, you're going to oh, die yeah. on them because that's what the, the treatment industry and AA has has pushed. You know, jails, institutions, and death are the inevitable result of use, which is such a bold-faced lie. It's not even statistically true. Um, so, so, but these people really, really like rituals, something that says, yeah, Tom is doing something about his drinking problem. He, he goes to his meetings every night. Now, Tom might be going to his meetings, sitting in the parking lot and having a beer. (laughs) Okay. A lot of Toms do that. (laughs) (laughs) They do. It's always a Tom. Um, Tom or a Bob, right? (laughs) (laughs) So, so the, the, the point is, is that. We have many reasons why the AA and treatment model have flourished. Most of it's fear-based belief that there's a disease or an illness present and that the person is powerless and that their biochemistry conspires against them and they can't control themselves. Every single thing I just said is not true, is 100% untrue, um, but it's been mainstreamed. So, so – now you're going to treatment for a non-existent disease or problem. Uh, you're going to treatment for a myth. You're going to treatment for almost a religious belief in yes. addiction that is framed in a way that is completely false, objectively not true. So yeah, there's no reason to do that. But, but if you believe in all that mythology, you need treatment. So if you're a person that's rallying right now as you listen to this or your family is rallying against it and you're saying, no way, this is this is wrong. You're going to kill people with that knowledge, you know, with that information. Um, boy, you are misinformed. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't have to struggle. That's the other thing mm, is there's a great point. There's, you know, people almost have this pride that, uh, you know, and I we've had people say this online to us. I struggle every day to stay clean and sober. And by the way, I hate clean and I hate sober, like those terminologies, but that's what people believe. They believe I struggle every day. And it's like, but 
but we're telling you, you don't have to, but there's a certain amount of pride in the fact that they're struggling. And, and sadly, people that believe that are the ones that cycle in and out and in and out. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, they put some time together and then they're, then they, you know, they sneak away and do what they really keep, they want to do. They never change their preference. They never challenge the benefits they saw in intoxication. And so the change was temporary, That's temporary right. rooted in fear. Yeah. What a terrible way to live. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, I had a, I had a thought and it went away. I'm sorry. No, no, it's not you. <laughs> um, mm, well, it's gone. It'll come back. It, what what I want to say in this is we're not saying that there aren't people that enjoy going to support groups because there are. There are people that like that, but know what you're doing. What you're doing is you've made a decision that you're happier being a part of this secret club, which is fine, this support group, but you're still choosing to not you you've decided i'm happier not drinking so i can be a part of this club yeah so i'm gonna back up for a second because okay, i remember got it that, yeah i knew yeah. if i just kept rambling he'd get it <laughs> <laughs> the 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 valiant battle oh yes the valiant battle against addiction it really irks me it's a pet peeve of mine when somebody will say yeah i got sober and everybody around me says oh congratulations oh, oh yeah we, oh we, you're so brave yeah you're so brave and the sad part about that, I think it bothers me because it's sad. And that is you are brave if, yeah. if you, if you say that it is a battle and you believe it and everybody believes it. So it becomes this valiant, amazing thing that people stay sober and, and it's seen that way. And, and it's such a sad thing because <laughs> it's not hard. I don't do a damn thing to maintain no. recovery because I don't, I, I'm not recovering from anything. I'm just, I had just moved on. I just changed. Right. So, so I think that this, when we start to give out emotional prizes for not drinking or not drugging or moderating successfully or whatever it might be, um, we're really creating a false narrative well, and we're, and we're rewarding something that is just simply unnecessary. Well, we're creating the battle and framing it as a struggle becomes a persona, right? It becomes your that's, identity. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And and so now you're getting in this we see this with Hollywood people all the time. You know, it becomes their identity that they're this addict in recovery. And they, you know, and some of them put together eight or nine, 10 years. And then the next thing you hear, they, you know, crash their car, totally wasted. And what a tragedy that is. And, and then they get to go back through the whole process again and they become. Yeah. And there's a tremendous amount of pity. Yes. That's, that's and, and none of that is necessary because. <laughs> it's tragic, really. Yeah. It's such a waste of time. Yeah. It's such a horrendous waste of time when somebody should be coming along saying, hey, did you know that you can move past this and move on with your life? Yes. I want you to think about those words. I use it all the time. We do in the Freedom Model all the time. Move past an addiction, right? You move past it and then you move on. You're not looking backwards. You're not tying your life to some meeting, talking about shit you did five years ago. Right. 
I mean, I don't care what I did. The only reason I talk about it is because I do it for a living and I'm helping people and there's some reference there. But ultimately, I I don't I don't do anything for recovery. No, we just we just you just get on with life. Yeah. You know, yeah. you just like that. you would. Oh, we got it's blurry again. <laughs> but the people on the that listening can't can't see that there it's it blurry. But <laughs> yeah, you have to move your arm. So look it, there's where I well, maybe I am. I was gonna say I'm not saying this to upset people that nobody needs AA, but there are gonna be some people are gonna be upset. So it is what it is. <laughs> um and uh but I what I'm saying it for is so that people know that if your experience is that you just one day decided you weren't gonna do that anymore, um, and you moved on, um that's most people's experience. You you did it the way nearly everyone does it. If, and it's valid. That's right. If you say I can take it or leave it, mom, right? Or I can take it or leave I it. I said that to my dad. Yeah. It's true. Yes, it's always been true. It's always true. Even if you have deep withdrawal, you can take it or leave it. You can go to a detox and be done with it forever. Um there's don't lose sight of that truth because that's a beautiful truth and it's empowering for people. Now, you may take it or leave it, you may take it, <laughs> right? And people you may, may disagree really like with it. it. Yeah. Right. And, and, and that's okay too. You're entitled to your choices as, as long as you're willing to pay the price. I mean, there's, there's trade-offs for everything we do in life. Um, and uh, drug taking in any form is risky, but I think everybody knows the risks. I, I don't think that there, that, that narrative hasn't been overplayed. I mean, everybody knows that you could die, that you could have legal ramifications that you could lose your family, all those things. Um, but I think that, that, uh, at any point you could, you could leave it. You yeah. could say, I'm, I'm done. I, I really am just like hundreds of millions of people do worldwide every year. So I'm going to, I'm going to kind of play the devil's advocate and I'm going to okay. ask you a question, Mark. Okay. Um, so what about, and this isn't scripted. So now, and now I'm going to see what he says. What okay. about, um, the people out there that are listening, the moms and dads, the spouses who the person is drinking or drugging themselves to death. They've overdosed. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. is there a benefit to them going into treatment or going to AA? Uh, or I forcing them to like interventions. I think if you're the result is you want them to stop for, the period of time in which they're in the rehab, but even there, there's no guarantee in that. Yeah. Um, I think that if, I think that the hardest thing for a parent, there's no easy answer. The hardest thing for a parent would be to, what do I do? Do I let go? Right. Do I let go? Do, do I not tough love, but do I just separate myself, create a boundary and say, you know what, emotionally, I can't be around this. Yeah. And that's one of the hardest things for a parent to do. Now, I'm going to say something that's really biased, but it's biased because of the results we get over the last 33 years. I'd say, get them the freedom model for God's yes. sakes, get them something that shows them that they're completely capable of changing because most people don't know that that's because right. anybody that's a heavy substance user is around other people that went to rehab, even if they haven't, and they know it's a dismal failure and it's nothing but a constructed struggle. So so they need to know that there's something other than that. I would say, listen, uh, Mrs. Smith, 
what you might do is have them listen to our podcast. That's it. That's it. I, I didn't set this up so we could be like, okay, buy the freedom model. I didn't. What I wanted people to understand is, and, and I'll say this to parents if they call me or spouses or whatever is I, I get the allure of sticking your loved one in a rehab. I get the allure of it because it's, it's, you get, you know, a reprieve, a reprieve for a crazy. month. Yeah. But what you're doing is you're putting them in a place where they are going to double down on this idea that they're powerless, yeah, which is really detrimental. Yep. They're going to build up the substance. Yep. I mean, this the, the exact wrong thing you want. They're going to tell this person, Oh, it's, it's damaged your dopamine receptors and, and nothing's going to feel as good. That's right. You'll never be happy again without it. Yep. And by the way, you can't have it. And I, I mean, my it. God, you build the drug up and then you deprive them of it. No wonder they keep going back into treatment. Yeah. You see the, you see the trap. Now, for those of you, who, none of that's true, but none that. of that's true. Now there are those people. Okay. Very small percentage of people that get kind of pulled out of their active, heavy substance use. They get stuck in a rehab or they go to jail or they go to detox and they come out and they are diff decided that they're done. That happens. It happens spontaneously, but it happens a lot more frequently if they don't go to rehab. That's what we're saying. Yeah. Why, if you have somebody that's already headed towards the direction in their mind, I'm going to move on from this. Why would you put them in a place that says you, you can't you move on? You never will. Right. I, I mean, why would you do that? Think about what I just said. Anybody can stop. Anybody can move on from this, given the right information and the right moment in their life. And yet we're going to put them in a place that teaches them that they can never be free. Yeah. And they'll always feel deprived. It will always be a battle and their biochemistry rallies against them internally. I mean, it, and, and none of that's true. So they're telling them a lie that keeps them trapped in treatment. What a sad, sad, unnecessary, painful thing. We all went through it. Yep. Yep. There's, there's literally nothing to it. And especially, and I'm going to talk to parents of people under the age of 30. Um, if you want to be dealing with this problem in 20 years, when you're in your seventies and they're in their forties or, you know, you're in your sixties and they're in their forties, um, send them to rehab. Um, because the majority of people that we get here at the retreat have been going in and out for 10 to 10 years or more. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, and it's, it's a disaster. Unfortunately, it can create, um, this fragility yeah. Um, believing that you are they, broken, are broken forever. And so, no, we, I, I, we don't recommend that people, um, get stuck in rehab or treatment. You can get our, uh, we have a free ebook for freedom model for the family. Um, and we have all kinds of free books and stuff that you can get on the freedommodel.org that can explain all this to you in detail. Um, do your homework, learn, yeah. learn, about how you can help people to to get over this problem and move on. We literally have uh, 146 now episodes of uh, podcast episodes. Yes. We have well over 300 videos. Uh, we have um, so all, much information. Yeah, all of it free. And then if you want to learn more, you can move from that 
perspective into maybe a program that we offer online or at the retreat or whatever it might be. But you'll know the entire model first. No other program has that because they don't have a model. They just have talk therapy with the same old religious nonsense. and diagnoses. And um, nobody is fragile. Nobody is powerless. Um, only to the extent that they believe that they are. That's right. Your beliefs guide you. You are what you think literally. Yeah. So I think we can wrap it up. Yep. I think we, we've gotten to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for uh, everybody who listens. Remember, if you like our podcast, you can go rate us um, on wherever you're listening on Spotify or Apple and we have really good ratings. We have really great listeners everywhere. Yeah, give um, us a five star. Yep. Share this. If you know somebody yeah. who can benefit from this information, let them know about our podcast, The Addiction Solution. Go to thefreedommodel.org to learn more about our programs and services and to get our books. Um, and uh, and, and there's, there's commercials on each end of this podcast that describe our services and where to, where to find them. Yes. And if you are struggling and you want to talk to somebody, you can always call us 888-424-2626. We're truly happy to help. Yep. All right, everybody. Bye. Take care.